Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California, comes a brand new episode of The Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. That's right, everybody. It's time for your favorite Marketing Geeks show, The Marketing Geeks. We are here to bring you the latest marketing news, information, with your hosts, Justin Womack and the esteemed Utters Sturgeon. That's the one. That is the one. Are you ready, Andros? Are you ready? I am so ready. I am so pumped up for the show. It is the highlight of my week. Yes. As it is the highlight of many, many people out there's weeks as well. That's right. We have a great show. It is unbelievable. The Marketing Geeks is now ready to bring you the information you need to be a better marketer, be empowered. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, The Marketing Geeks. Here we are. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. I love that. This is, honestly, this is my favorite, this is my favorite moment of the week recording the show. I just love it. We are um we've actually got some things in the pipeline to uh bring to everybody the show is about to take a quantum leap forward you know why do you know why mr justin Womack? why why is that because uh people have been starting to donate to our patreon page and we can now afford to have an intern and uh well we can afford to have a, an intern's coffee well, let me let me actually. We can afford to have. <laughs> we can now afford an unpaid intern. We finally can afford we an can unpaid afford intern. Yes, an unpaid intern, and we can afford to buy myself coffee, and not the intern. So uh, there's an intern waiting to have coffee, but he can't because you, good people, our seven listeners, 
not donated to our Patreon page. But that is very easily remedied because there is a link at the bottom of the description, and it does talk about how you can donate and just simply hit that button. And if you donate enough money, we will actually do some marketing geek stuff for you. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it's it's all listed on the page, but um, based on the amount you donate, you can get actually a monthly private or actually a monthly group call for only the donors at a certain level, uh, as well as recordings of all of our webinars that we do. So we usually do a webinar uh, once every month or every other month, but we will do at least six webinars a year, uh, probably more than that, and you will get the recordings of those files. So it's it's worth it. It's yeah. Valuable. The last one was awesome because I showed people how to make a video uh, a keyword and uh, get completely uh, – what was it? What did I do? I did, I did it well. Uh, I don't remember the, remember the word that you ranked for, but I remember that actually you got your video to rank number one well on the webinar. So it actually ranked during the webinar. You went from not having a video to getting one ranked number one for that keyword term in real time. That was pretty badass, I got to say. That was pretty cool. So that happened faster than I even anticipated. Yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, and if you wanted to know how to do that, well, you can't unless you Patreon us. Is that a, is that a verb? Can I? That's right. We still... I can get the I could I could pull up the recording file um, for, for Patreon donors. That's right, that's right. But we uh, but we are good news is let's let's get into let's get into the show. Yeah, because we are we are going to do another webinar. But by the way, and that that one's going to be free for everybody. Um, but yeah, we've got an excellent show. So just so you know, what we're going to be what this is week uh, three, right? Of our week three. This is week three of week three of our influence patterns. Special event, whatever you want to call this, but we uh, we've so far we're talking about the six influence patterns as listed in the book Influence by Robert Cialdini. So far, we've covered the authority pattern and we've covered reciprocity. And today, we are talking about. Are you ready for it? Yes. Scarcity. Ooh, I love this one. This is my favorite one. So let's just go over the last two, just for those of you who may not have heard. Uh, if you haven't heard, go back listen to them. But if you don't want to do that. What are the? What, tell us about the first two. Okay, so in a nutshell, authority authority building is uh, credibility, and we talked about how you can leverage stage time, you can leverage uh, being an author, you can leverage a podcast, and various ways of how you can build quick authority in a post. Uh, I like to say a post credentialing society, because in previously, you know, the only way to build authority was by having a college degree or a master's degree or a PhD or an MD or you know any of those letters after your name. Uh, nowadays, there's better ways to do it. So go back and listen uh, two episodes ago where we talked about authority. And as far as reciprocity goes, it's that if you give, you're going to get. Uh, and subconsciously, what happens in the brain is when you give somebody something, even if it's uh, a non-tangible thing, like you just give tremendous value, you give great information, people are going to feel a sense of wanting to give back to you. And that usually translates to them either buying, uh, you know, a small end product from you, or buying something from you, or it could translate to them referring somebody to you. But the idea is that what you put out there, you're going to get back. And uh, we go into full detail on that in the episode before this one. So if you go back one episode, episode number twenty, you can listen to the episode on reciprocity. So those are the two in a in a brief uh, nutshell. And now uh, scarcity, which is uh, <clears throat> extremely interesting because. 
basically, scarcity, and we've all seen this, right? Where um, uh, here's a perfect example: uh, Twinkies had sitting on the oh, shelf. They, Twinkies. They, Twinkies, yeah, and they, they, the Twinkie cor- uh, Corporation that was it Dolly Madison, I think. Um, Hostess. <laughs> Hostess. Thank you. They went out of business. They went out of business. And Did they? I don't know, they got bought up, maybe. I don't know. Well, they, they, they and it, what happened was they went out of business, and uh, the Twinkies that had been sitting on the shelves for a generation suddenly it became like a thing, and everybody had to go and get Twinkies. Uh, same thing with happened. Oh, uh, one of our favorite shows, Rick and Morty. They uh, brought back the Szechuan sauce, and uh, that's right. Yeah. And they only had it. They created a few, huge demand. Uh, huge demand. And so, so McDonald's stores only had a few of them, and they were mobbed because. There was a scarcity of this uh, one little thing because and I, it was like, come on now, Szechuan, really? Well, it's it's like you think about like even Teslas. Like you have to get on a waiting list to go get your Tesla. You can't just go buy one at a um, you know at a dealership. So part of part of that model is you know it's it's uh, when something is scarce, it becomes more desired, which what you just kind of illustrated there. It also becomes like more of a status symbol because I'm getting something that's yeah. scarce. And even like you think back to like the early iPhones when they you know they had un, they had less units available, um, and those things would be super highly desired. Or actually, I'm going to go way back to the PlayStation Two. I'm going to go all the way back to the PlayStation Two, which was like in the year '99 or 2000. Um, those were released and they were dollar. They way under inventoried it. And what happened is those units, which were like two or three hundred dollars retail, were selling on eBay because Amazon wasn't really selling back then on eBay for like twelve hundred dollars. So the value of these items went through the roof because they were scarce resources all of a sudden. You think about scarce metals, gold, silver, those are value very valuable. And that also has to do with uh, limited limited equals higher value. Right. Right. So, so the, there's a couple of questions here. First of all, how do you create scarcity if there really isn't one? And I'm going to go over a few techniques uh, that I have personally used and uh, some things that, that you may want to keep in mind when doing scarcity. So um, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I do, you know, I do a lot of copywriting and email marketing. So scarcity is a technique that I'm constantly employing because uh, not only does it create increased value, but it also creates a sense of urgency if it's, if it's done right, because we scarcity on time units as well. So if I were to, you know, say that I I have an offer available to you, but it's available for a limited time, or it's available for only the next 24 hours or 48 hours, that creates a sense of urgency because we've created a time scarcity. So with any kind of an offer, I like to, I like to create a sense of urgency and that can be done through scarcity. Another way of doing a sense of urgency, and you'll see, if you go to seminars, you'll see this done a lot, is by having some kind of a bonus only available to the first few people. So it could be um, that I'm going to give you an extra one-hour session with me personally if you uh, it, to the first three buyers of this product. And that creates a scarcity sense where people are going to rush to the back of the room and want to get that extra bonus if, they, if they're already uh, – if they're already interested in buying, this is the kind of thing that puts them over the edge. And it also creates that urgency where they're going to do it a lot faster than they might otherwise. They're not going to think about it as much because that's uh, that's kind of created a new, a higher sense of value in the in the product as well. Um, so, so ways of creating scarcity are like time elements, um, looking at unit elements. And so that those are the, I guess those are the two main ones. We can, we can create scarcity through time or we can create, create scarcity through the number of units that are available. 
why don't you give us a walkthrough about like how you, because you, you do a lot for clients and you're really yeah. good at it. Uh, just a walkthrough of how you would create, say, an email marketing campaign that involves some scarcity. Well, I mean, kind of what I said there, but it, it's essentially if I'm going to uh, create an offer. So let's say like if if I have a chiropractor or, or client like that. So uh, number one, I want to establish the pain points that are going to get people interested, which is this is more copywriting. This isn't scarcity, but I want to establish pain points that are why people are interested in coming to a chiropractor. Uh, ultimately, I want to make an offer. You, I would imagine with a chiropractor, it's going to be a very low cost offer or a free consultation session. Um, but to create scarcity with an offer like that, I'm going to say that this offer is only available for the next seven days or this offer is only available for the next 48 hours. So I'm going to put in a time scarcity unit because I want to create that sense of urgency that's going to get somebody to actually take me up on the offer. Uh, or if I really wanted to do something crazy, um, I might say that this uh, I'm going to give seven free consultations out there. Normally these are $100 value. So I want to establish the, the normal value. Um, but they're only available to the next seven people that email me back and claim this. So if you are serious about relieving your back pain or serious about relieving your neck pain, um, and I know that you are because you're reading this email, then click the link below and claim one of these before, uh, before time runs out and before they're all gone. So essentially I'm creating a sense of urgency through scarcity again. You know, uh, one of uh, you, you and I have our absolute favorite site, which we probably spend way too much money on, is AppSumo. <laughs> way so, too much money. Yeah, if you guys uh, are out there, if you're a marketer, definitely check out AppSumo. Uh, we're not paid and we're not sponsored by this, but it, it, they have, sometimes they come, they have some really great tools for marketers. And uh, what they offer is like a lifetime membership to a particular platform. And usually it's around $49 US. And if you, uh, but they only have it for like maybe a week. And then once it's gone, it is gone forever. And there's been a few of them that I've grabbed that I'm so happy that I bought them while I could. Other ones I've bought that I've never used. And some I've missed out completely and I'm still kicking myself for it. But uh, And Andros, that's a good point that you just brought up though, because uh, in, in copywriting too, I will leverage that fear of missing out. So uh, I, I will talk about, you know, um, you know, don't miss out on this amazing opportunity because it's never your way again and, and try to play on that FOMO because fear of missing out is a real motivator for people. Uh, people do not want to miss out on amazing opportunities. So when you point that out to them, that's also leveraging the scarcity there. I have one more point I want to make here. Um, and this is this is kind of a combination of authority and scarcity. But I, I used to work in the seminar industry, as mm -hmm. you know, or some of you know anyway. And uh, I still actually do work in that industry for, uh, for different clients. But one of the things that one of my prior employers did was he would, um, he would make a very large offer from the stage. Uh, we're talking $50,000 plus from the stage. And what he would do is instead of uh, having people rush to the back of the room or, or doing anything like that, he would, he would actually make them fill out an application to apply to be a part of this program. And what this does is two things. Number one, it builds a little, it builds authority because it implies that uh, it's this is a wanted resource uh, that is you know it's highly sought after. Uh, it also, and he also actually he also said that he would only take three people, so he would only accept he'd only accept three people into the program. Um, so you had to apply to get into it. So this also creates that sense of scarcity. Uh, mm -hmm. 
But it also increases the perceived value, again, through authority and through scarcity, because you're actually having to, you're, it's turning the psychological tables on you, where you're now selling yourself to this person instead of instead of them selling to you. And, and some of that's accomplished through scarcity, some of that's accomplished through authority, but it's just kind of an interesting concept I wanted to bring up here. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Um, and you know, there there are ways that you can create scarcity even when there is none. In fact, um, I'm working with a client right now, a very uh, large up and coming brand, and we are launching a campaign that is all around scarcity. I'm actually going to take everyone through a step by step process of what that looks like, so you can replicate that. But uh, before we do that, I'd like to get into some marketing news about some things that are going on uh, in the world of marketing. Some really interesting news that has marketing news. Marketing news. I just wanted to give that. I just wanted to give that segue. That was awesome, man. (laughs) That was like, I I love it. And then and then uh, yeah. I kind of want an explosion. If we had an explosion sound effect that went with that voiceover, I think that'd be even better. You know what? Next week, I'm going to do that for you get that awesome. yeah for, for sure get your wwd voice on i didn't say wwd i said wwe and then my tongue did something funny just so you know wwd yeah, 40 um interesting news here this is from marketing land 80 percent of amazon advertisers plan to increase budgets in 2019 uh, a survey indicates that 44% of Amazon advertisers plan to add automation tools for campaign management in the coming year. Now, you know, this is this is kind of interesting because, you know, Amazon, on the one hand, uh, they are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned this uh, maybe last week or the week before, the irony of how Sears is going out of business. And Sears started off as a company that had a catalog that delivered stuff right to your door. And now they're going out of business by an internet company that's delivering stuff right to your door. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the thing with, uh, poor, poor Sears, poor Sears. Well, you know, Sears, Sears was, was, uh, uh, and, and, and I think we talked about this with, with, you know, Sears used to, you used to be able to buy houses from Sears and, and kit them together yourself. You know, they were innovators and if they had taken this internet thing seriously, when it first, you know, basically were taking the Sears catalog to the next level, they, they'd still be around. They'd be Amazon today, but yeah, it's uh, pretty incredible that they've fallen apart the level they have because the, the company like when all those stores that they own, they own the land. So they actually own the land of all those stores and they've been having to sell. I mean, recently they've been selling off all their assets, but it's, it's pretty incredible the nosedive that they took. And, and, and yeah, it is, it's a lack of foresight, a lack of innovation. And uh, it's the, you know, the people that thought the internet was a fad, uh, they are paying for it dearly now if they haven't already paid yeah, for absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the interesting thing, especially with the American landscape, I mean, here in the Netherlands, you have every single town has a city center and the city center is where, um, you know, people kind of gather, there's restaurants, there's browsing. In America, it was mostly the shopping malls and the shopping malls are all about to stand empty, right? So... What what is if they're not already? Yeah, a lot of them are. So so the question is, what's going to happen with all this space, you know, and all these jobs, and the fact that um, automation is 
killing uh, jobs and displacing people and and how they work. And so it's 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 an interesting you know thing that's happening right now because Amazon, on the one hand, is is destroying the American economy because everything that you buy from Amazon, most of it is made in China. And uh, on the other hand, you know, they have, they have reinvented how people shop, you know? So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's more of disrupting than destroying. So I see it as uh, they've disrupted the economy. Everything that used to be is no longer, but I don't see it as destroying necessarily as much as uh, they've totally disrupted the yeah. system. They're and changing. Disruption it. is definitely the key. But you know, the uh, the interesting thing is that the company that I uh, am currently uh, contracted to work with, they will not sell anything on Amazon. They refuse to do it. They're taking a stand, and uh, we've had de- definitely like conversations around this subject because their competitors are all on Amazon. So yeah. uh, you know, it's. It's an, it's an well, interesting, let me ask you this. What's their, what's their reasoning? I'd like to hear the reasoning if you, if you have that. Yeah, the reasoning is that they're a uh, cosmetic brand and they have special deals with some of the bigger retailers in Europe and mm-hmm. in America. They've, been, uh, they've just opened up in Singapore and Hong Kong. And so their, their whole concept is basically making the deal with the the brick and mortar stores. So they will be put in a prime position. So the brick and mortar stores have basically now said, well, we'll take your brand on, even though you're a smaller brand and we'll put you in a good location as long as we have the exclusive. So people will actually have to walk into the stores to buy it. So it, it, uh, that is a niche. I mean, that there's, that's a niche, you know, you're, it's a, it's a, a niche that I would say is shrinking, but, uh, but it's a niche. It's it, but the but but here's the question. I don't have the answer to this, and I I will find out. So I'll definitely let everyone know as uh, I move along in this. But is that should they forget about that type of of strategy and just go for online sales and use leverage Amazon? Uh, because well, it, part of it depends on the deals they have with those bigger brands. I mean, if they have small margins, you have to pay fees to Amazon every time you sell on Amazon. So I would imagine that that the margins right. could could play into whether or not they can sell on Amazon and, and still be profitable. So that might be an issue there, but there's such an amazing, yeah. it, Amazon has so many people on it. The traffic there is unbelievable. So if you, you know, your yeah. buyers are on Amazon, like the people you want to sell to are on Amazon. So you're missing a huge traffic source if you're not selling there. And not only that, you know, they're completely SEO friendly as well. So if you're, if you're looking for a particular brand and you Google it, if you're on Amazon, that Amazon store is going to pop up in the search results. So because Amazon, of course, has a sense of authority. So, you know, I, I would love to hear from from anybody out there who has dealt with Amazon and dealt with this type of thing, what their experience was and if they feel um, that it's definitely a, a need to, to – in fact, you and I, uh, we went on a, uh, a consultation meeting last year uh, together to a computer parts manufacturer. And they said that they were doing okay until they pivoted and started selling exclusively on Amazon. And all of a sudden it brought in millions of dollars. And uh, they said that it was because of Amazon that they started doing better. So, you know, it's, but, but if, if retailers didn't feel that there was a uh, specific 
sort of uh, leveraging that Amazon has for your brand, then then they wouldn't be putting more money into Amazon next year, according to the survey. So, um, anyway, just an interesting thought. But, uh, the conversation yeah. will. Continue. Well, we also talked about how the ads platform on Amazon has grown tremendously, and they're now uh, they're now the number three ads platform out there, and they're just. And with uh, and we, we you know we talked about how Facebook's had their controversies, so it's. I mean, I doubt this will happen anytime soon, but in the next five years, I wouldn't be shocked to see that Amazon you know moves to number one or number two in that um, in that ad category. Yeah, yeah, and we, we talked a few weeks ago about how uh, people are actually starting to buy from their smart speakers, but uh, but what's interesting also is that uh, phones are now the most popular way to shop online, so. You know, this is one thing, and this is again one of these things that, when working with this brand, they have an online store. They're not converting very well, and I looked at the online store, and I realized why is because the online experience is not that great. So, um, according to uh, John Lewis, the smartphones are now the most popular way to shop online. Mobile accounted for forty-two percent of mobile visits in twenty eighteen. Um, however, people still prefer to make bigger, more considered purchases on desktop. So think about this and and I'm sure like, just think about your own, whoever, you know, one of our seven listeners, uh, thinking about how they do shopping and how I do shopping too, is a lot of times I'll do quick research on the phone, but if I really want to do like deep research, I always use my desktop. Yeah, I I would agree with that for the most part, but I do a lot of buying from my phone. Yeah. So I, I probably buy up to... Maybe even up to a thousand dollars through my phone. I think if, it, but I agree though. If it, if it was going to be a bigger purchase than that, I'd just be afraid of like losing the you know the Wi-Fi connection right. or something. So I would probably use a desktop in those in those cases. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're definitely moving into more and more purchases through the smartphone. I, I still don't use my Amazon device. I won't say its name because I have one in the room here, but I still don't use the Amazon smart speaker to. Uh, to do purchases. So I, I don't, I don't know when or if I'm going to be comfortable doing that. Um, it's, it doesn't appeal to me at this point. So it, it'll be, but that, that could be a massive market. I don't, I don't know how that goes with the young, I figure the youth, uh, the younger generation out there is going to be, uh, embracing that more than someone like me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially as it becomes more of a natural phenomenon, but, uh, but it just goes to show you also, you know, because if if uh, we covered this a couple of weeks ago, uh, that uh, Google just changed their algorithm to really focus on your mobile site as as part of the search algorithm, and they have this new uh, technology called AMP AMP. You can uh, just go to Google and search AMP, and they have a tool there where you can put your website in there, and it'll let you know how AMP friendly it is. And if uh, if it's not mobile optimized in the right way, you will lose your ranking. So um, if you're really looking at ways you can make your site kind of rise above your competitors, you got to really make sure it's mobile optimized and you got to make sure that purchasing can be done very easily from a smartphone. That's number number one. So uh, other interesting... So I have another, uh, yeah. I have another story. Please. So this one, I, this is more of like, I think this is funny personally, but uh, Facebook has announced that they are planning on copying um, Musical.ly's features. So Musical.ly was bought by a company called TikTok, if you'll recall. Mm-hmm. So technically we're talking about TikTok now, but I, I just, I think of it as Musical.ly because they're, they're talking about adding the uh, 
the music and lip sync mode that that kids are using these days from uh, what was musically and I guess now is TikTok. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because uh, if you'll recall, about two years ago, they shamelessly and I mean shamelessly copied uh, Snapchat stories and they put it on Instagram and Facebook. And now you see Facebook stories and Instagram stories, which is an identical clone of what was on Snapchat. And so now I, mean, I guess the mindset over there is like it worked once. Why not do it again? So they're they're exploring copying these musically features and putting them on Facebook and, and again I guess trying to bring over a, a segment of the younger population onto Facebook or at least onto Instagram which is probably more likely I think that the youth is like repulsed by Facebook I believe yeah for sure <laughs> uh, but Instagram doesn't have that reputation as bad even though they're owned by Facebook any any thoughts on this Andros uh, yeah I mean I, I, first of all I. Uh, I mean, I have, you love Facebook. I mean, you're a huge fan. Oh uh, yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, it's so funny cause, cause, uh, with this new client that I have, uh, I have to monitor their Instagram feed. So I had to install Instagram onto my phone and I was like, uh, I mean, I, I was at the point where I'm, I was tempted to just buy a whole secondary phone plan just so I wouldn't put it on my phone. Cause I hate it that much. Um, and, and you know, instead of having the decency of just like outright buying the technology, Facebook has, you know, a, an army of, of developers and they could be like, Hey, this is cool. Copy that. I don't feel that that's an integrity as just a, you know, from a standpoint of just stealing intellectual property like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they can do it and they have the resources to do it. But uh, it, it, but it also shows something else, which is the idea of kind of interactive video and 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 media as a uh, a platform. One of the things that I'm dealing with uh, with this client is that they've been running Google Ads for a long time, and they're text ads, right? But it's again, it's a beauty brand, and text ads for a beauty brand that doesn't really work. You need to have video and you need to have pictures. And so yeah, people want to see that. Yeah. People want to see that. Right. So I, I'm, I'm helping them pivot to create content around engaging content. Uh, that will be something that, you know, ways that people can, uh, when it's posting something, it's not just a beautiful photo, but it's something that actually gets people to talk about it and share it and uh, engagement and, and interactive. And obviously you want to employ scarcity, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, one of the things that I uh, did was I, I helped develop uh, a plan. And in a little bit, I will tell you exactly how we developed a scarcity plan around a new product that came out. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, are you are you just like so excited about that? Um, I'm gonna. I'll be staying. I'll be staying tuned for this. Yeah, you better. You better. So. <laughs> okay, so let's. I got one more story. Yes, and then uh, and then we could probably get into that, or if you have another story, I do. So uh, Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. the uh, for those of you that don't know, he was a basketball player. I know he's not that well known. Now, Michael Jordan, the uh, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, according to my generation, basketball player, uh, he's buying a stake of $26 million into an esports company called Axiomatic. And it, that's, I think that's interesting because uh, esports is actually one of the fastest growing market segments in the world right now. And if you don't know what esports are or is, uh, esports is a an entire industry about video game competitions. 
So it's not just sports video games, but any video games. So, I mean, there's like Call of Duty, there's Madden, there are Warcraft, World of Warcraft. I mean, there's all these different tournaments, and this industry is absolutely expensive. There's Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man, of course. Uh, And there's a a social network out there called Twitch, which is a very, very popular social network where uh, people stream themselves playing video games on Twitch, and it's – it's hugely popular, especially uh, again among a younger demographic. So it's uh, there is an entire industry of people that go online and just watch other people play video games these days. And I think PewDiePie kind of was the guy that originally started that on YouTube, but now it's kind of moved over to Twitch. Um, and it's it's a huge, huge industry. And so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of money moving into this right now. And Michael Jordan is just a big name that people recognize that you know putting a lot of money into esports now. Yeah. Yeah, but again, it's it's like it's a sector where um, you know people are are actually like brands are sparring game players, right? And uh, I, I've had concept for their change, but there's even talk about adding uh, gaming to the Olympics just to keep <laughs> you know to to make it. I, please no, but um, whatever, whatever, man, I don't care. <laughs> I know it doesn't affect my life. I, I don't I don't know that I would agree with that, but I, I'm also not like actively opposed. So, but, uh, do you know, uh, do you know what, uh, brands have yet to sponsor, but I think they will at some point. What's that? Uh Oh, uh Oh yeah, baby. You know what that time is again? It's time for the sex robot report. I have no idea what we're talking about today. So I'm excited. Oh yeah. Well, we are talking about sex robots in the sex robot report. This is this is a. a this, <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> I can't. I can't. This is from the Sun uh, UK. There's a lot of podcasts out there, but none of them, as far as I know, have a whole segment dedicated to sex robot industry. <laughs> <laughs> Sex robots tester is furious after he broke the harmony droid and Dr. Senseless. Uh, hobbyist <laughs> by the name of Brick Dollbanger. Dollbanger. Brick Doll Brick Dollbanger reveals he was tasked with taking a test drive on the world's most famous and he ended up named Harmony. He ended up breaking it. So my my number one question, and I think we uh, is is Dollbanger his real name and what what nationality is that if it is because i I really want to know that that that's that's actually my number one question from this entire story well it says here the 60 year old property developer told forbes he used the harmony robot for 10 days at the request of california spot from real box having sex with harmony i broke harmony doll banger oh not his real name oh it's a nickname i was gonna say that was his real name then he found his calling yeah, I mean, we, you know, there was a, a poker player back in 2003 named Moneymaker that won the World Series of Poker. So, I mean, if there's a guy like that out there, then why not a guy named Dollbanger getting into this industry? I mean, I think it, you know, would have been just fitting. But unfortunately, sounds like it was a name change. <laughs> asked by Matt McMullen, head of Real Botics, to try to break her during at home sex sessions. Go ahead, try it. Just try it and break her. <laughs> What? <laughs> That's what Matt wanted me to do. Knock her around. Do what you want to do. Like, oh, like that. How'd you like to be a fly on the wall for just like thirty seconds of that session? 
just to see what the what kind of sickness what kind of sickness was going on there? I wouldn't like it at all. Uh, instead, uh, <laughs> I want a normal experience. We want to find out where the weaknesses are. Well, I knocked the gears loose. They found those weak points and their mages. Brick, who describes the sex robots as probably the sex toy in the world, runs a YouTube channel documenting Harmony's progress. So he actually has a YouTube channel. I'm not going to look that up, but by all means, if uh, those of you want to look up Brick Dollbanger on YouTube, I'm sure you can find his review. And a longtime enthusiast recently told The Sun that he spent around $200,000 on sex dolls over the past decade. Brick originally began toying with droids after his 15-year marriage ended and became much, such a regular at Robotics parent company real doll he was asked to help guide the design of the harmony sex robot so i have a feeling that marriage deteriorated probably because of the sex robot thing i don't know i'm just if you i mean if you're a woman and you're married to a guy who wants to change his name to brick doll banger and he's into sex robots i can't imagine that marriage being <laughs> well you you inspired me to look on youtube for this guy i couldn't find his channel but i found uh this video called my life with my robot partner that has 4.9 million views on the channel tech uh technocular mm-hmm. so uh so there there is an audience checking this stuff out so 4.9 million views that's a, that's good, a good count, count man. we're in the wrong business uh the california admitted that he had slept with harmony five times in 10 days which is a testament to the bot's quality and brick's own soul vigor yeah, that just that that whole sentence just left a bad taste in my mouth. Brick told son that he still enjoys sex once a week, and that women his own age simply can't keep up. I'm a very gracious person. I have many, I got to do it in his voice. I'm a very gracious person. I have many friends, female and male, and in my sixties, at my age, I still enjoy sex three or four times a week. He revealed. <laughs> at my age, women in the sixties don't even consider that on the table for them. Maybe once or twice a month. Buddy, I think that uh, just I don't know you, but I have a, a sense that if I saw you, I would want to have sex with you once or twice a month, even if I were getting paid for the pleasure of that. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this week's <laughs> Sex Robot Report. Woo! That was. Yeah. Yeah, what that was. <laughs> I just, that was a lengthy one. Could get over that. So um, uh, moving right along, I would now like to uh, go over a methodology. If you're looking to create your own scarcity campaign with a product, I'd like to go over a uh, kind of a methodology that was used recently with the company I am now working with. And it goes something like this. Uh, they had a beauty product. And the beauty product was uh, available for sale on their web shop, right? So what they did was they only had a certain amount of this product available for a certain amount of days on purpose. So they actually plotted this out. And what they did was they said, okay, uh, first thing we're going to do is we are going to put this on the web shop. And then after a few days, we're going to purposefully run out of it, right? So they, they, they were out. They were, there was no more of this. So on social media and on their website, they just put sold out. You can't get it anymore. If you went there, it was just gone, right? And after the big announcement, they got the production up and running again and 
put it back on the web shop and then they sent out a press release basically saying, oh my gosh, this thing sold out. We didn't expect it to be this popular and it was, it was so awesome. And that is how they created this idea of scarcity because they also let them know through their email and through the social media channels that it was suddenly available again with a caveat. We don't know how long it's going to be available, right? So uh, they could have probably had, you know, plotted it out so the production run would run into another production run, but instead they sold out of it in the first few days. And then they were able to, to create that sense of scarcity. So let's say that you have a product yourself that you're trying to sell. Uh, if you are first launching it, you can actually hold back production on that particular product and just say, hey, we've only got you know 500 left and then have a counter on your website that's like, oh, we only have 300 left. We only have 200 left. And then when it's gone, it's gone, right? That's actually and, a good point because they, they have those counters for your website. You can also get those for your emails. You can actually get a counter installed on your emails that'll make uh, you know make it look like the units are running out. And they, they can be they could be accurate or they could be not accurate. So um, you can have real scarcity or perceived scarcity, either one. And and here's the interesting when when I you know, because I asked them about like, well, you know, could you guys have just kept the production running? They they told me that actually this is some this is a common practice that a lot of people in the beauty industry do this very thing. So uh, you know, it it it's it, the question is is like, is this an integrity? Do you want to be in a, a brand that is an integrity? And, and they were, one thing they were very clear about, which I appreciate about them, is that they said we don't want to just create, you know, inflate the numbers and make it seem like we, we want to really run out of stuff and make sure that, that that's part of the plan. So they were an integrity yeah. with it, but a lot of brands don't do that. No, like, I think that's, uh, that's really recommended that you are, that you're, that you actually are using scarcity accurately because if, if your customers find out that you're, you know, you're lying about the, the actual scarcity or things like that, it, it, it does hurt your integrity and it's going to injure the relationship between your prospects and you. So I, I do think that is yeah, like, that's more of a short term thing. And if you think about it in a long term perspective, uh, you should value the relationship with your clients a little bit more than that and not put yourself in that position if you can avoid it. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, there was a few brands that recently got in trouble because they had their employees post positive reviews on the website and uh, they got found out through internal emails. So, uh, you know, and it, it just, it, it completely hurts your integrity uh, doing that. So, you know, with these types of things, you can plot out. So for instance, the company I work for, they specifically plotted out a narrative. So they were in integrity. They did run out of the product. They did start it up again and they did make it available. Um, and th th it's a short, limited run for this particular product. So, so if, if you say uh, are a company that can only have a few hundred of a blue widget, for instance, uh, you could turn that into a scarcity campaign and possibly sell more than you would have otherwise if it was just sitting on the shelf collecting dust. So um, you could also do this with products that, say, are near their expiration date. So if there's something that you are uh, worried is going to, you know, expire after a certain date you don't you have you have too many of them on the shelves create a scarcity campaign around that and see if you can move that stuff a little bit easier and this is something that you can do for your clients if you're a marketer uh, 
you know what this uh, you know what this reminds me of, Andres? Tell me. Have you seen that South Park episode where Cartman buys the amusement park? No, I haven't. So there's there's a South Park episode. This is from like way back when, probably like ten to fifteen years ago, because it's probably like season five ish. Uh, he buys an amusement park because he doesn't like to wait in lines. And so he locks everybody out of the amusement park and he just goes on all the rides by himself. Um, and the amusement park had been totally failing. But now that everybody gets locked up, all of a sudden there's lines of people that come outside that wanting to get in. But he's like, nope, nobody can come in, just me. And he just likes to ride all the, all the rides by himself. <laughs> and so uh, eventually he gets mobs of people that show up wanting to get in. And it just reminds me, this is all scarcity marketing. It's all city marketing. Great real world example right there, huh? So I, I'd love to find out if you guys have any uh, scarcity marketing tactics that you use or uh, have seen. Um, please leave a comment with us. Connect with us on LinkedIn and let us know what your favorite scarcity tactics are. We'd love to hear from you. You know, uh, I think you had a, a additional segment you were going to do on today's show that we haven't we haven't promoted, but I think you had a book you were going to talk about. That's right. That's right. Thank you for uh, reminding me. And that was my that was my subtle my subtle cue. I was trying to make it really not obvious. Yeah. Well, uh, you did a great job, my friend. And we we are going to go over the book of the week. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are busy people. We have busy lives. That's why I read the books so you don't have to you everything you need to know about the book of the week talk about it at an office party talk about it at thanksgiving act like you know what you're talking about <laughs> as long as you hit these points so. right. man i'm psyched yeah are you i'm psyched uh, this week's book. Yeah, now i am after that after that music intro i'm psyched i don't even know what we're talking about but i'm excited uh this week's book is how to win friends and influence people dale carnegie the famous oh, uh i've read that one yeah it's a good one uh, Dale Carnegie was a probably the f- one of the first real motivational speakers, and uh, he was uh, an empowerment coach before anybody. This guy was doing it, and he wrote this famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And uh, it uh, it basically is kind of a guidebook on points that you can things that you can do to be more likable. And if you're more likable, you uh, have more influence. So the points in his book are as follows. Number one, never criticize. If someone makes a mistake, give them, uh, give them that job again. So he uses an example that uh, there was Howard Hughes had a mechanic who did something wrong on a plane and the plane uh, had a huge mechanical failure while it was flying with some friends of his. He made it down okay. But uh, the mechanic realized he made the mistake, and instead of firing the guy, he said, uh, I want you to check the plane. I'm taking it out again tomorrow, so just double-check to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And, of course, he did that because he knew that that mechanic would never, ever make that mistake again. So uh, never criticize anybody. uh, Empower them. Uh, Number two, make people feel important. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said that every person is superior to you. So make them feel important. Find that thing that they may know about something that you don't and, and make them feel important around that. That gives people a sense of empowerment and it's good at themselves and they'll want to engage with you more. Uh, I just want to take a second to say how important our listeners are and how much we appreciate you. 
That's all. That that's true. You you and you guys are super beautiful and good looking, as well. Um, <laughs> number three, smile more. Uh, you know, and that's that's just a general. You know, the the face is is uh, is the window to your soul. And if you walk in and you see someone with a big smiley face, uh, it's hard to you know feel bad about that person. We use we use facial cues as a way to know if there's danger. So. Uh, smile more, even if you're not feeling it. Always smile at people. Uh, number four. Evolutionary psychology. That's it. Number four. A person's name is the sweetest sound. So make sure that when you're engaging with somebody, Justin, repeat their name and uh, make sure that they hear it loudly and clearly. They feel validated that way. Do you understand what I mean, Justin? Sure thing, Andre. Right on. I mean, Andros. <laughs> uh number five be an active listener listen to people like when you listen to people and you really listen to people they feel like you know and sometimes when people are complaining about something that's all they want when uh you know if you're married and you come home and your wife is complaining about something sometimes the best thing for you to do especially men is just shut your damn trap and just listen and uh because that's sometimes all it takes and especially if you're in customer service, sometimes people just like, they may hate your product. They may have some issues with it, but once they get it out, once they, they know they're being heard, then it makes them feel better. So, uh, let, let them vent, let them vent. Yes. I, I've worked customer service. And let people vent. It's so true. When they vent, they feel better yes. for whatever reason. Yes. Uh, think about what others want and talk about it. So if you are, uh, talking to somebody, think about what, cause everybody has their own agenda. So really think about what others want and, uh, and, 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 and engage with them in that particular conversation. Uh, next avoid all arguments because if you, uh, if you are in an argument with somebody, even if you win the argument, they are going to resent you for that. So just don't even bother arguing. I mean, uh, that's why I, moved away from the United States because I didn't want to argue with anybody about politics anymore. Uh. <laughs> there's a, there's a quote out there. Um, I think this comes from a, uh, from a negotiation book, but it, it was uh, a person convinced against his will is of his opinion still. And, and the point is, yeah, you can, you can convince someone against their will, but it's not going to change the way they feel. And it's not going to change the fact that they resent you. Exactly. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Which brings to the next point. If uh, never tell others they are wrong, because you, the second you tell someone they're wrong, then our innate sort of reaction to that is going to be to dig in and go, no, I am not wrong. Even if you may be wrong, the chances of you admitting that you're wrong uh, are very slim. Most people will not do that. So, I think that same logic, that same logic, kind of goes when you when you say like, "Oh, I hear what you're saying," but when you say like "but," you're also kind of negating everything. And I think that's kind of the same logic there. When you when you use that language, it, it also shuts down the person, so they're like just going to turn off to what you're to hearing the rest of what you're saying. So instead of that, you could say, I hear what you're saying and say, and instead of, but also that's right. That's right. So, so that's a really good point. So if, uh, if you are ever having a conversation with anybody, never say, you know, you're really great, but because anything that you say before that, it is, uh, you are- it basically implies they're wrong, which is kind of the thing. That's why I brought it up here. Exactly. It's a good point. Good point. Uh, if you are wrong, admit it. 
And uh, this is a really hard one because everyone has a really fragile ego. But if you are, yeah. if, if you're wrong about something and you admit it, it makes you a much stronger person. And uh, man, how many how many presidents do we know that are just will never admit wrongdoing, no matter what it is? You know, I'm not pointing anything. I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying I moved to the Netherlands because of total generalization. Total generalization. I'm just saying, yeah. Uh, to be convincing, say yes as often as possible. And what this means is that uh, if you're, especially if you're in sales, if you want to convince someone of your particular argument, start with a very like minor yes. Like, Justin, you're pretty good looking, aren't you? Yes. Would you like to buy this widget for a million dollars? See how easy that is, folks. So, uh, <laughs> I've heard that called a yes ladder also, but usually it's more than two questions. You want to give like four or five questions at least. Oh, really? Well, actually, I don't, I don't know that. I kind of pulled that. <laughs> I would imagine it's more than two questions, though. <laughs> oh, you never know. You never know. Um, uh, to change others' uh, lavish praise. So, uh, you know, everybody l- – has a fragile ego for the most part. So if you lavish praise on somebody, then uh, that will give them more of a shift than if you just uh, outright condemn them or say something uh, to them. Tell people how smart they are, how funny they are, uh, how awesome they are, and they're more likely to be agreeable with you in the long run. And then finally, when drawing your attention to mistakes, point out your own first. So if uh, if I tell you, uh, uh, Justin, you uh, messed up my blended coffee the other day, but you know what? I've done that too. So mm-hmm. I understand. You're right. I did. I put too much butter in it. Too much butter in the coffee. There you go. So uh, that concludes. If you don't put butter in your coffee, you are missing out, people. You're missing out. I, I was putting butter and coconut oil in my coffee for a long time, and I think that gave me gallstones. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they, they wanted to remove um, your gallbladder, I believe. But that's right. you still have your gallbladder. I so do. It was a happy they're, ending. They're, they're not going to take my gallbladder unless it's from my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, me, yeah, just take that with whatever grain of salt you have. So take that, take that lesson and learn something from it. So that is uh, how to win friends and influence people. And next week, I will have another well-known marketing book that you can uh, get the bullet points to and then know all about it by the end because we want you to be smarter than everyone else. We want you to be the star of your Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) You're going to rock the conversation. That's right. And with that, that concludes another amazing episode. Oh my God, we didn't get it. It's geek news, man. They canceled uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Oh no, that's right. Luke Cage is gone. Iron Fist is gone. Man, we're, you know... It happens. Uh, I think I, I do think Disney is kind of partially orchestrating that because they're going to have their own streaming service. They are, you know, they don't really want Netflix to have all the rights to all these shows anymore. No. So what will happen? Who knows? But as soon as we find out what this situation is, we'll let you know first. Ladies and gentlemen, Finland's in Cabarillo, California, from our virtual studios in the cloud. 
We are the Marketing Geeks, and it has been our pleasure to have you join us in your homes, in your cars, in your gyms, in your wherever. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Please tell 500 of your closest friends about us. If you like us, please contribute to our Patreon page. Tune in next week. We're going to announce a brand new webinar for your eye holes and ear holes. And more importantly than anything else in the world, stay classy.